welcome to Tea and K-Drama here on the Tea and Gauntlets Network, a show where two best friends sit down and watch K-Dramas. We laugh, drink tea, and most of the time, you'll have the characters we love to hate. Let's get into the good stuff. Hey, Kat. Hey, Rachel. How's it going? It's going good. I'm excited to talk about episode five of Boys Over Flower was with you. Hell yeah. What are you drinking tonight? Tonight, I have uh, the ever-classic Earl Grey. Ah, Yes. Certainly, mm. certainly never classic. I am drinking a decaffeinated vanilla Comoro um, from Harney and Sons, and I'm pretty excited about it. Definitely on the sweet side, um, but yeah, that's not a bad thing. So naturally sweet, or did you add sugar to it? I always add sugar to black tea. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while since we lived together. This is truth. When we went back when we were roommates. Uh, for my tea, I, I do not have sugar in it. I have the unsweet almond milk. Yes. Almond milk. You just put milk in it without sugar? Cat, I have always just put milk in it without sugar. Rachel, that's so weird. I just don't understand. <laughs> it's all right. It's, it's my tea of choice today. <laughs> <laughs> so episode five. Episode five. Um, I feel like this one was, this one was. An interesting one because I feel like after all of the g- drama got real intense with the with the last few episodes, but specifically the last one, and um, and you know things really kind of things really kind of smoothed out. We had a we had a little bit more of a you know music video highlight reel sort of sort of feel for a large portion of this of this episode, but we started out. We started out hot because we we left John D. Yes, uh, a bloody and broken with a bike on fire in the middle of a crowd of students who are throwing things on her. So that was great. Yes, it was a very chill episode after the previous uh, high emotion. Yeah, after everything that led up to the moment where this episode started, <laughs> and they're like, "We're gonna calm it down for a smooth bit with this." So, uh, well, let's recap what happened in episode five of Boys Over Flowers. So first uh, off, Junpyo does come in and rescue Jondi from the crowd of bullies that are literally throwing like ketchup and tomatoes and burning her bike all around her. So he comes to the rescue and then we get more follow up on Minji's. Oh, that's something I discovered. The friend who betrays Jondi. Her name is Minji. Oh, okay. All right. The one that we thought was sweet, but then ends up back, uh, backhanding. Oh, no. I know who you're talking about. Yes. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but yeah, I forgot that we didn't remember her name ever. So yes. I'm so, glad you got that. I locked that down for us. Her name is Minji, the great betrayer of John D. So the next uh, thing that happens in the episode is we learn about her more about her betrayal and the past secrets of her life coming to light among the gossip world of the school. Ah uh, yes, we catch the uh, we catch the background. Uh, there's a whole scene where we catch the background between her and um, Gu Junpyo, um, and I mean a little bit the other, but not really. Really, it's just Gu Junpyo. I think very the other one sided, but yeah, yeah um, it's very one sided between those two. And the others are basically spectators. I think the two boys that are there. Yeah, they were they were background. So after that. Uh, we jump to Junpyo declaring officially Jondi to be his official girlfriend. That was a lot quicker than I expected. I knew that they were headed towards that, but the official, like, in front of the school announcement came right up in this episode. Yeah, I think it was um, 
I think it was almost more of a protective mechanism than anything else. Um, I mean, obviously, like, he does have feelings for her. He's had feelings for her. But, I mean, she was, like, in such bad shape. And he knows. I mean, he knows how things are. Like, everybody at the school is a lemming. Like, he knows that if he... And the reason why they all turned on her was because they thought that she betrayed him and, and slept with that random guy because... Minji set her up and took pictures and stuff. Which, in hindsight, is kind of odd because they have all this hate for her. But apparently, she wasn't even his official girlfriend yet because that happens in this episode. Yes, but I think that it was understood. I don't think that he's ever showed any interest in a girl in the way that he showed his interest in her, like, ever. Mm. And showed her that kind of attention. And so they all... I mean, yeah, sure, maybe he never made an announcement in front of the school <laughs> until now, but I think it was I think it was understood that that she should be, you know, uh, based on the the school social dynamics that she should be, you know, grateful for his attention and blah 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 and she Truth. should be fawning all over him even more than anybody else because she's the one who's actually getting his attention in their minds. And so uh so then uh having it come out supposedly that there was this massive betrayal um uh yeah not to excuse their behavior just to be clear <laughs> not no. at all so you're right this is a first for him because he mentions this episode that she is his first girlfriend which i was surprised by yeah i thought that was cute um yeah you know we have we have both her love interests i forgot the blonde guy's name what is his name? Jihu. Jihu. Because he's back. Huh? Jihu came back. back. I know. I was so, I was what? so shocked. He just comes strolling in. We're like, what? He literally just left to go to Paris. After the announcement, just to be clear, the announcement where Kujumpyo yes. is like, this is my girlfriend. And everybody's like, oh. And then he comes in smoothly saying, I have an objection to that. <laughs> Dead. But we'll get into that because he's a little he's a little half in, half out with that because he's like, oh, I want to eat behind Junpyo's back, but not really. Just kidding. Ha ha ha. I'm here. I'm a new man. He really knows how to wind her up because he knows that she has had feelings for him. And he just, I really feel like, I don't know. He, I will say that he did seem a lot, he was always so depressed before. And he seemed a lot happier in this episode, like in general. So I think he's, I think he's solidly sort of resolved his feelings for his ex babysitter or whatever we want to call her. You say that now, Kat. Oh, well, that's, that's true. <laughs> but considering one episode ago, I thought he was gone. I, he was like, oh, he's gone to Paris. That's done. We've gone from a trio love triangle down to a duo, but now we're back to a trio because Jihu's back. So I am learning to not. Uh, take anything for granted. But you know, okay, I just want to talk about I just want to talk about like just like the 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 writing and the choices though for a second because yes, he came back just in time to like, you know, keep things interesting, right? But do you remember that moment like when she's she's on the ground in the very beginning, right? And she's mm -hmm. and she's mm -hmm. kind of doing these flashbacks back to all the times that Jihu, you know, saved her from the bullies and, you know, cleaned her up yes. afterwards and whatever. And, and she's, and she's saying something like in her head, you know, like he's, he's gone, like nobody's here to save me, you know, save me, you know, whatever. And, and then 
Gudrun Pyo comes riding up on his white horse, metaphorically. But so I just, and then I think it's really interesting that he comes back right after Gudrun Pyo has the chance to be her white knight. So I, I think I think that's possibly setting up the uh, the relationship dynamic there. True. Although I, I do think he's still going to come in as a that we're going to have some interesting love triangle nonsense. But uh, she was remember she was like all for Jihu before she was like obsessed with him. Yes, very much so. She really didn't care about Gujun Pyo at all, and now Gujun Pyo is much more in the picture for her. So this this will be this will be interesting. Well, he did come in swinging to save her from the bullies, and I think he fought one of the guys off with a fire extinguisher. Oh, yeah. Right? He, he like, gutted some guy with a fire extinguisher right to the stomach. He hauled off and, like, whapped some kid over the head with a fire extinguisher and then, like, slammed it into his stomach. Like, th- this, these children are violent. These children are extremely violent. It is intense. And after all such violence and shenanigans... What else do you do but whisk the girls off to a trip to New Caledonia, as F4 does with Jondi and I can't, Jondi's friend, I can't recall how to say her name. Is it Gail? Um, but her, the friend is, they work together in a little restaurant. A little shop. Yeah, restaurant shop. Yeah. So this is a friend who is not from school. This is a legit like friend that, who has been around for a long time, we assume. Yeah. From childhood, I believe. This is not, this is. I believe her name is Gail. It's spelled G-A-E-U-L. So the F4 whisk Jondi and Gail off on a trip to Caledonia is how the last part of the episode goes. And that was really a turn because it calmed down. And you're like you were saying earlier, it was a music video style. Do you know what it reminded me of, Kat? Mm. It reminded me of the Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen travel movies. <laughs> it so did. Which are basically visit Sydney, visit London, visit Rome, visit New Caledonia, go shopping. Yeah. He whisks her away, gets her all cleaned up, um, whatever stuff happens. And then he decides, oh, and also he buys all of this stuff for her family, like new like very large household appliances, <laughs> like a new refrigerator and a new oven and new beds and new everything. The TV cat. You can't forget the TV. Uh, yes, the TV. Yeah. She's not super excited about this because she does not like to take money from him at all. Um, but her family is stoked. Yes. The family, they had some cute interactions in this. They were much more comedic as opposed to maybe like antagonistic because they're, they're very much like poking and prodding John D to do things that she doesn't necessarily want to do but for this one they interacted more with uh, Junpyo so seeing them interact with him face to face was pretty funny it was it was pretty funny when they welcomed him into the house and they're like oh eat this food oh he doesn't know how to eat this food at all he's so funny that's not how you eat that but it's okay because you're you we love you it was it was cute yeah. Yeah. So on the whole, it was a good, I think kind of like a breather for an episode mm. because the previous ones were so jam-packed. I think the biggest twist was Jihu coming back. Yes. Because after his arrival, it just calmed down a lot. Oh, I also, I just want to recap. Originally, I don't remember which episode this was, maybe episode two or something. What are we on? Five now? Gu Pyo, remember the last time, 
well, when he kidnapped her and brought her to his house and dressed her up like a doll, um, he was like, I want you to be my secret girlfriend and we won't tell anyone. And she was like, you are ridiculous. I'm leaving. But he wanted her to be his secret mm-hmm. girlfriend. So he was still kind of like very aware of the class differences at that time. And now he just announced in front of the whole school this is my girlfriend. You mess with her, you mess with me. It's the same thing. So don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's that's an important uh, relational development there, I would say. He had a line, something long, it was something along the lines of he was addressing the school classmates and he said, anything you have to say to her, you say to me. So he's definitely setting up that protective barrier between her and the school. And it was really funny how quickly the school went from chasing her to terrorize her to be like, oh, come to my party you're so invited we love you and then she was running from them because they were fawning over her yeah they immediately started stalking her like there was a scene where they all just start running after her like a pack of wolves except i should say a pack of puppy dogs or something because they wanted to fawn over her rather than eat her for once yeah they go from wolves to golden retrievers pretty quickly yeah although (laughs) golden retrievers offer you genuine love and Mm-hmm. These people are the worst people ever. So there's there's that. That is true. However, I did notice that in this episode, so Jim Pio's officially announcing that Johnny's his girlfriend and she's not saying no. She's not quite on board with it. You can tell her physicality, but she's not verbalizing as she has in the past, like, no, that's not me. We're never going to be together. I hate you. This whole episode, she's had multiple times to refute people saying she's his girlfriend and she hasn't. Yeah, things are things are heating up a little bit, a little bit. Which is all the more interesting because now Jihoo's back. Mm-hmm. i very curious as to when we'll learn about what happened in Paris. But he's back and is now showing more interest in John D. And she clearly, clearly still has feelings for him. Yes, she definitely still has feelings for him. Um, but how strong are the feelings and are her feelings for... Gujun Pyo going to overtake them? This is the question. Oh, and another interesting moment that I just want to bring up. So on the New Caledonia trip, which was total Mary-Kate and Ashley style, he takes her on this huge shopping spree and literally, like, he tries to get everybody out of the whole store and then he's like, I own the store. Why can't, why haven't you gotten everybody out? And they're like, I don't know. You need to give us more time. And he's like, I can do it myself. And he just he just drags her to the fire alarm and he pulls the fire alarm and then he's like, okay, now we can go on our shopping spree. And so they just like go on this shopping spree and then he's like, okay, you know, let's go. And then they just end up on a, on a airstrip in front of a jet plane. Ridiculous. And then they end up on these ridiculous islands that are so beautiful. And he's like, oh yeah, we own the island. <laughs> Just casually. Of course you do. Of course you do. Yeah. But um but so he gets his uh friend, one of the F4, to um get her friend from the restaurant and mm-hmm. and basically manipulate her into going with them by implying that John D has been in some sort of terrible accident and so she needs to come immediately. <laughs> but he didn't actually say that, but she jumped to conclusions and he did not argue with her in order to manipulate her into coming along so yes these boys are extremely manipulative but they um so she ends up going and so her bestie is on the trip yay and so they're running around and then they uh it does turn out that it was a dream but supposedly they run into a fortune teller and the fortune teller tells john d 
that um, she's like, oh, yay, you know, your your husband is here on this island. And then she's like, oh, <laughs> no, your soulmate is here, too. And they're different people. And then John D wakes up. And, and so you can see that it was just a dream anyway, because it, it was pretty ridiculous. But um, but she wakes up and she's she's feeling uh, very sort of flustered about everything because this trip is after Jihoo has just come back and apparently mm -hmm. shown that he is no longer obsessed with Paris model ex babysitter girl so here we go he has shown more interest uh in John D but Jihoo also has been talking to other girls more frequently because there was a scene where she's talking with Jim Pio and he's chatting up some other ladies in the F4 hangout area that's true. Nothing serious, but he was a lot more open. I think one of the characters said, Jihoo came back and he's a lot more human. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I choose to think that it is because he has resolved his feelings for Paris Girl and now he's back. And so he doesn't have to long after her anymore because they've, you know, hashed things out. Yes. And now he's come back because he's like, we're done. Here's hoping. Here's hoping for drama, girl. This is... This is a K-drama. So on the drama note, referring to the prediction of the fortune teller, mm. I had a realization and it crushes me so hard if this is true, if this is how the show goes. So John D has this dream of the fortune teller that she has a husband who is one man and a soulmate who is another. And right now it makes sense like, oh, well, she's going to marry Jim Pio, but it's going to be Jihoo who's her soulmate. But Kat, mm. what if it's the other way around? She marries Jihoo, but it turns out that Jun Pyo is her soulmate. Uh oh! I guess it hurts. Have to find it hurt. out. But I also, I also want to point out that this was not a real event that happened, unless something's going to come out where we find out that it was a real event, and maybe the girls were just drugged, and so they thought it was a dream. Or, I don't know. Anything could happen. Okay, we are we are wide open. But at, with the knowledge that we have now, the understanding is that this was just a dream. And so since it's just a dream, it's just in her head. There is no psychic fortune teller who said that this was true. It's just a dream. So it's like a manifestation of her fears. So it may not really mean mm. anything. It might not. But it might. Yet, it could be a self-fulfilling prophecy. Oh, I love those. Where now she's aware of it. Oh, yes. She tries to, you know, manipulate events to avoid a fate. Oh, no. But then it happens anyway. Oh, boy. Like, she falls hard for one, but is already committed to another. I don't mm. know. I'm, oh, I'm just like, oh, how's this going to play out? Because we're so early in the series. Mm -hmm. There's, like, we're only on episode five. There's 20 more to go, I think. Dear Lord. Yeah. All right. Think about that, cat. There's so much. <sighs> so that was my, uh, that was my thought that was both intriguing and yet devastating if it turns out to be true that Jun Pyo is her soulmate, but Jihoo is the man she marries because he's the good and proper one for her. Mm. I don't know. We'll see. You know who we'll I want to see more of? I want to mm. see more of Gu Jun Pyo's mom because she was terrifying. And I want to see what villainous stuff she's <gasps> going to come up with because yes. we know she's going to come back. Yes. Especially now that Jun Pyo has made John D her his official. Mm. Yeah, so is it only school-wide so, official? Is this still a secret from school? I think so, because all of the F4 boys are terrified of her. Yes, they insisted his mom would destroy John D's family. That's right. 
And Jondi's family, speaking of him trying to like buy his way into Jondi's heart, like his family or her family did mention how it's important socially for them to appear wealthier because she's going out with Junpyo now. Yeah, they don't want to uh, embarrass him. We'll see. But I think that Junpyo, like this episode had a theme that he is trying to buy his way into Johnny's affections, but he's not getting it because it was what the house with the furniture and all the renovation, not renovations, refurbishing mm-hmm. of her family, the shopping new Caledonia. He replaced her bike with a fancy new bike. Oh my gosh. The Butler was so sweet when he was telling John D he was like, I tried to get your bike, but it doesn't, they don't it's, it's not anywhere anymore. They discontinued it. So I hope this one will do. And it was just, he was so sweet when he replaced her bike and the clothes. I know, it was so cute. And she was like, I can't accept, she because she accidentally saw the price tag and she was like, <gasps> and she's like, I can't accept this. And mm-hmm. then, um, but the, yeah, the butler's like, well, we couldn't find your original one. So we got this one and I hope out of, this is what our, our master, Gu Junpyo, you know, asked for us to do. So we did the best that we could and we could not find it. And we looked all night and I hope that out of the generosity of your heart, you can accept this gift, which is not nearly as good as it should be because it is not, you know, your original one. And of course, it's way better than her original one. And it was just so, it was such a lovely, it was such a lovely sort of, sort of delicate, you know, moment. And I, yes, loved it. It was, it was sweet, especially after all she went through. She, because Jun Pio brings her back to his house and she's all beat up. He's tending her wounds. Though I did notice he quite, he treated her quite like a child a lot of the times with that. I think other like children, they are, they're very, they have a very, um, you know, contentious sort of like, stop touching me, you know, sort of like relationship. They're just, they really are quite childish with each other. Yes. It was cute though when he uh, helped her tend her wounds and then she went to sleep and he gave her like a little kiss on the Mm. forehead. That was a cute little moment, even though just beforehand he'd been a bit, I don't know, manhandling. Just like sit down. I'm going to tend your knee wound. Yeah. Take care of this boy yeah. for you. Well, and then there was another cute moment where in the middle of that where he's he starts like he moves from her knee to her. She's got a bloody lip too, of course. And um, and so he starts like he he gets, you know, close to her mouth to like start wiping that up. And then he's he kind of like looks at her lips and then he sort of panics and he's like, just do it yourself. <laughs> yeah, that's truth. However, we can't forget, Kat, that the reason that Johnny got beat up is because the bullies thought she was cheating Junpyo because Minji set her up. And this episode, it was nice that we had Minji kind of get what she deserved. So we learn about Minji's backstory, right? Where Minji has been in love with Junpyo since she was, what, in kindergarten? Yeah. She's small and has freckles. She's doing a painting of the two of them. And he finds out and he's kind of cruel to her. He's like, you're ugly. Like a five-year-old to a five-year-old is like, you're ugly. You're not going to be anything. He's incre- he's, Steps on the painting between the two of them. He's incredibly cruel to her. It was really awful to see. So she's not, um, you know, well, I thought that she was pretty cute. But she's she's supposed to be not, you know, the cutest child. She's She's a little chubby. You know, she's got these freckles and, you know, she, mm-hmm. whatever. And he's adorable with this curly hair (laughs) Um, but anyway and so so you see you flash back to the two of them um as kids and he's you know doing his thing looking fancy whatever and then she's you know 
he's reading this like economic textbook at like six years old or something. And she's, um, and she's doing like a, a, a stick figure, you know, drawing of the two of them together holding hands or something. And she labels them because she's, she has a crush on him clearly. And, um, and then, so whatever, they're not interacting with each other. They're just like kind of at separate tables. And then, and then Gujan Pyo goes off. He gets freaked out by a bug. Which reminded me of when he, pause that thought, when he, it makes sense because when he's at the pool and Johnny has to save him because he's freaking out by a bug. That was a great callback. Yeah, that's beautiful. He's been like that since a little itty bitty kid. So that was a sweet moment. Agreed. To see the two connected, but then how he treats Minji after that, horrible. Yeah. So um, so he gets freaked out by a bug and she uh, comes running to his rescue and um, uses her notebook, her her drawing or whatever to uh, like fan away the bug. And she's like, it's okay. It's gone. And she's so cute and it's so sweet. And this was such a nice thing to do. And then he mm-hmm. he's looking at her like, oh, who are you? And and then he catches a glimpse of her painting because she's holding it. Um, and he's like, uh, and he crumples it up. He throws it on the ground. He stomps on it and, and you know, wriggles it into the dirt or whatever. And he's like, you are fat and ugly and I would never be with you and stay away from me. And just like the worst, just the cruelest, just ab- the absolute worst, you know, reaction that you could imagine especially after she just did something so kind and sweet like it wasn't just that she was you know drawing this picture and she embarrassed him because he didn't like her back or whatever like she was she was being a really good person in that moment and um yeah so it was just that that sucked and so so then so that's the flashback and then she comes back and this was this was a really this was a really interesting scene. It was it was incredibly uh it was incredibly sad to see the just the emotional damage that that she took and and how it twisted her. Um but she so that moment really formed her and she never forgot it and um and she internalized his belief that he could not he would never be with an ugly person. He would only be with a beautiful person is basically what he mm-hmm. said to her. And so she's like, oh, I love him so much. I have to become beautiful. And so she became, she ended up becoming addicted to plastic surgery. And that's why she looks so different and, you know, nobody recognized her or whatever. Yeah. She had talked to her parents somehow, talked to her parents into sending her to Europe. And she said she got plastic surgery every two years. Yeah. And thinking that they're only in high school still, which means that she's been going under the knife for plastic surgery since she was like, what, 12? Yeah, I know. 14? Because then she she left to Europe, got plastic surgery over multiple years, and then comes back to the school to try to be with Junpyo. What? And so she she sort of explains like her kind of backstory and how, you know, important and terrible mm-hmm. this this moment was when he bullied her. And and he literally goes, he goes, I don't remember that, but I can see that I have something to be sorry for, is what he says. And she gets mm-hmm. genuinely upset and says, no, I don't want you to be sorry. Like, you, I oh, know, I know, yes. remember that moment? It was crazy. That was so was messed crazy. up. It was so messed up. She's like, I don't want you to be sorry, because she internalized this belief that beauty is value so deeply and mm-hmm. use that belief to drive her terrible actions um, 
that she she twisted her entire psyche and her entire her entire belief of 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 right and wrong. Her moral compass is so twisted. It's literally just beauty is good and ugly is bad. That's the only thing that she has now. And so and so he's and so she says, I don't want you to be sorry. You basically like you let me see the light. Like now I now I'm beautiful. Like I'm beautiful. Love me. More than that, she's beautiful for him. But he's still rejecting her. And the the pain in her eyes is she like she can't wrap her head around like, but I did everything. I know I'm pretty, but you still don't want me. And then he kind of like turns it on her even more where he says, you just become more of a monster because back then you were ugly, but there was also something a little bit good in your heart. Yeah. And I was like, oh, oh, this is just so. Yeah. And now, like, and now you're ugly. And He's like, and now you're ugly on the inside and that's worse. And he just totally dismisses her. They all dismiss her. And then she's just left. And then, and then, okay, let's, let's jump ahead just a little bit. I, it may, I don't think it was the next scene, but, um, uh, when around the time where I think just before Gu Junpyo comes in and makes his announcement to the school, um, that John D is his girlfriend now, um, Yes. Uh, John D and Min Minji Minji have a moment where they see each other in school for probably the first time since everything went down. And we'll preface that a little bit by saying these secrets of Minji's past that were before Junpyo became public knowledge on the gossip circles about her having plastic surgery. So everyone's hanging on her for having plastic surgery, even though these other girls also apparently have had plastic surgery. Yeah. John D, everyone's got it. John D, John D basically, John D basically calls everybody out on their hypocrisy and is like, you are making fun of her for having plastic surgery, but you had a, no, a nose job and you had your lips done and you had your eyes done and mm-hmm. you guys are terrible. So, so then, um, and... Minji comes in in the middle of this defense of her. So John D, they kind of cross paths. And Minji is like, I can't say that I'm sorry. And, or I won't say that I'm sorry. And, and it's just, but it's this, it's such an interesting moment. It was a little bit more than that. I think it was something about, I can't bring myself to say I'm sorry to you. Yeah. It was just, it was so, it was such good writing, you know, um, and such good character not development exactly, but commitment to the character um, twisting that had happened in her backstory. Because what the thing is, is that she, if she said that she was sorry for what she did, and if she admitted that she was wrong, then for what she did to John D, then she would have to admit to herself that her values had shifted so terribly. And she would have mm-hmm. to accept the horrible things that she did as horrible things. And they were so horrible and they were so betraying and they were just so, and her whole life was wrapped around this, this belief mm-hmm. in this new, you know, value system that beauty is good and ugly is bad. That I, I think that she literally cannot mentally accept that she was wrong. She just, her brain just like shies away from it. And that's why she can't apologize. And John D is like, John D is basically like, screw you. I do not forgive you, and I would not accept your apology even if you gave it. And she, she, 
slapped her across the face and then stole salt. twice. It was so, so deserved, yeah. those two yeah. slaps. It was it was legit. And so and now we see that John D is not a complete saint, uh, which was kind of nice because we don't want her to be. That would be boring. Truth. Truth. Yeah. The fact that John D got to slap Minji uh twice was yeah both cathartic and a little unexpected because i thought she would be more potentially they might put her more on the kind of saintly around of like i forgive you but we're not gonna be friends type thing but when she smacked her i was like this is this is probably good yeah yeah this is straight up like i'm i i would never forgive you for this this is terrible um oh but but another like really beautiful moment that came out of this is that they had these little Minji had gotten her this little lamb stuffed animal, um, a, you know, a while back or whatever, and and she had a matching one, and so this this stuffed animal was sort of like you know this cute memento of of their their friendship and what they meant to each other, uh, supposedly. Uh, and there's there's a moment a little bit later on after this altercation where she slaps her, where she brings out the lamb and she listens to the message that Minji recorded, you know, the sweet message that Minji recorded. And you can see her just remembering the good moments and accepting that there were good moments and there were bad moments and they were what they were and she can cherish the good and throw away the bad and she's never going to or not throw away but she's she doesn't have to dwell on it she can dwell on the beautiful things and let go of the bad and but also keep her boundaries up and never see this girl again because she sucks and it was just it was Absolutely. just a, it was such a beautiful like what a lesson it was good and then right after that as she's parting ways with the friendship that she had seemingly had with Minji we see Minji get into a car and i think i think well i mean i said that Jihu was gone cuz you know to paris but then he came back but right now the last we saw of Minji she gets into the car the car drives off and it does feel like that is the last we see her like she's gone she's leaving the school she's leaving the circle mm. But again, we say that now, two episodes later. Who came back like immediately? So he couldn't last one episode. <laughs> I think I think it would make sense for her to leave, um, for her to transfer schools at that point because the whole thing about her plastic surgery came out, and then obviously everything went down with F four and and um, John D. So it's just, so yeah, she really burnt like all those those bridges all got burnt burnt destroyed pulverized crumbled crushed they're they're pretty good at finding ways to bring people back into people's good graces like with Jim Pio and John D but right now with Minji like I don't I don't know how one comes back from that I don't think that that's something that we're going to come back from I I mean given that we have you know 20 episodes left <laughs> and so much has happened in only five. Um, I could imagine her coming back at some point and something happening, um, but I don't, I don't think that there's any way to recover that relationship. I mean, do you? No. Well, not a betrayal on that scale. That's insane. The scale of the betrayal, and as a character, she doesn't feel like one of our mains. Right. So I think she is on her way out, but I will caveat that with being this is full of twists and turns and. Who knows what will hit us in episode, I don't know, 10. Maybe maybe she'll join a cult and she'll have a, a personality. 
But yeah, but that's the other thing is that she didn't admit that she was wrong. Like she didn't, she, there was no character change there. There was no redemption. So I don't think she can come back and, you know, have them and be a, you know, one of the good guys. Like, I don't, I don't think that that can happen. Yeah. I think she is parted ways with the story and that's okay. It was, it was a hard fall for her, but you're right. She can't admit to herself fully how wrong she was because it would show how much damage she'd done to others but also done to herself you know what would be interesting though is if she so she transfers schools if she came back at some point down the line and she says that she's changed and she apologizes and she's had you know these life experiences and whatever and now she understands blah 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 i don't know and then there's just a lot of like back and forth where the main characters are like, but did you change or didn't you change? And then they're trying to like figure it out. So she's like in the background, we're trying to figure out if she's really good or if she's bad. And then she could be like a, maybe not a villain, but like a, an antagonist, like, you know, for a, for a while. Like a frenemy. It just popped into my head. What if her character did come back, not because of her own choice, but because Junpio's mom arranged a marriage for him with her. <gasps> Oh, because we know, that we know be... that that's going to happen. His mom is so controlling. Like he is, he, she has, if she hasn't yet, she's definitely going to do something like that. Absolutely. Wow. That, that I think would be a prediction I have for a future episode. Agreed. But if it would be her, that I right. don't know. Agreed. Agreed. Kat, one through 10, what would you rate this episode? Hmm. Oh, that's, oh. I... I can start if you want. What would you say? You you start. You start. So I think this episode was more chill. The plot twist of Jihu coming back very quickly. Mm -hmm. That plot twist in particular, I would say it was an eight because it would just happen so fast and I didn't see it coming. But on the whole, I would say the episode felt like a 6.5 because it was very chill. A lot of things got wrapped up at the beginning and then it just slowed down Mm -hmm. afterwards. It did feel very nostalgic, but I didn't find it quite as as story engaging as like the previous ones because the first episodes were so jam-packed this one was a little too chill it felt more relaxed a little slower yeah it was a little more nostalgia montage and a little less plot but i will say i loved the i love the way that they resolved minji situation and i was very excited to see jihu come back and i thought it was really cute that they took her friend along on the trip um but yeah the trip itself I was a little bit boring because it was like too happy nothing bad happened so it's just i don't know there wasn't really any, like not like not much happened so it just felt like they spent a lot of time with not a lot happening which you could tell because a lot of it was just music and there was no dialogue <laughs> because nothing was happening <laughs> It was a lot of music montage of now we're shopping and now we're passing by this little girl who's selling flowers, but no one buys flowers from her. The main thing, to your point, you're right, not much happened, but the main thing that did happen on this trip was John D's dream with the fortune yes. teller. That's true. That was that yeah. was the main so thing. So I would I would also rate this one um a little a little on the lower side, just because in terms of the pacing as a whole, I felt like it was a little slow but i i loved the resolution i i give it a i give it a yeah i give it like a i'll give it a six i'll give it a six yeah six that's pretty good my one of my favorite lines that came from this episode was when jim pio comes to take john d away from her friend and nicole donia 
and and John D and our friend are partying each other as if like she's being dragged <laughs> off to uh off to like serve. And then one of the F four guys goes to Gail. She's not going to war. <laughs> yeah, that was good. That was good. Um, <laughs> that was pretty funny. Yeah. That was good. Um, yeah, because she was kind of panicky because she'd just woken up from that dream. And, and then she's dragged off again by Jim Pio. That is very much a trend for those two. But that's that's kind of a that's kind of a K-drama, like I don't know if we can call that a trope because it's like this specific action. But like, but like wrist grabbing is like a thing. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I'm trying to remember in Alchemy of Souls. Did we have a lot of Risk um, in Alchemy of Souls, she was a total badass. So I don't think we had that in that dynamic. I am also not sure how sort of like vintage that trope is. Kind of like a like a who who wrote Wuthering Heights? Emily Bronte. Kind of a Heathcliff, a little bit of like a controlling antagonist lover style. Yeah, thing, maybe. Th- th- although that seems to be kind of, uh, that does seem to be kind of a thing in general. I mean, Gujim Pio is certainly turning out to be something of a controlling antagonistic lover. I, mm-hmm. I, I would certainly say, I mean, he's been catered to his entire life. He's gotten everything that he's ever wanted. Everyone has only ever fawned over him, you know, so he's, mm-hmm. he's very used to just like, if he wants something done, it gets done. So I would not want that uh, trait in a partner. I would be horrified by that. Can we acknowledge that we finally got Junpyo's hair to be normal thanks to the humidity of New Caledonia? Oh my gosh, you're so right. It was so windy and humid (laughs) that his hair was no longer like perfectly curled. It looked normal. It was it was refreshing. It looked good on yeah, him. Yeah, it it just it looks so done. Like it just looks so so deliberately specifically styled in styled. general. Um, that yeah, when it was all messy with the wind, it was it looked a lot more just you know normal. I think it was good for him. Like when he had his glow down and he was wearing like a beanie. His glow down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was great. Uh, and then I would say I think. New Caledonia, that section had the cutest moment of this episode when Jim Pio was telling John D because they face I don't think it was FaceTime, but they they video chat with her family and they're so excited for her to be there because they're having like lunch on the beach. And she's like, after the call ends, John D's like, Oh, like I wish my parents could see this place. Uh, they would love it. And Jim Pio goes, Well, we'll come back then. We'll come back here with your family. And that was well, that was pretty sweet. It really was. I forgot about that. Yeah, I think I think that was really sweet, and I think it really is very telling of how his how his feelings for her have kind of deepened because her mm-hmm. family is they're extremely gauche, um, like <laughs> they're adorable, but they would not do well in high society. Like they would definitely be embarrassing everyone immediately. Oh. <gasps> When his folks, when they meet, sorry, when his mom meets her folks, oh my gosh. I can't even imagine that happening. Like that is such a culture shock. Like just the contrast between the, I can't even picture that. At all. And we haven't even met Junpyo's dad yet, but his mom is already a force to be reckoned with. I don't even heard anything about his dad. I don't know if he has, a t- I mean, if his dad is in the picture at all. It did take us a while to see his mom, so. We'll see. But yes, that will be something to look yeah. forward to. So I think we're going to continue to see in the next episode, Junpyo and John D getting closer. But I think she's also going to strengthen her feelings with Jihoo somehow 
Because Jihoo's lurking in the background right now. Here's what I want to have happen. Here's what I think would be interesting. So I don't think that her feelings for Jihoo need to be strengthened because she was madly in love with him, basically, before. So, and now Gu Jinpyo has entered the picture. She's a little confused. Okay, cool. Um, I think that Jihoo's feelings for her need to be strengthened because he's he's always kind of looked mm. at her a little bit. He's 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 always kind of seen her as like a little bit of a mascot, you know, she's just this, she's tagging along after him and, and he's like getting her out of trouble all the time. And, you know, but like his feelings for her, like he obviously enjoyed her company and, 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 and was engaged by her, you know, but, but I don't know, his feelings for her never really seemed particularly romantic. Well, because he was obsessed with Paris girl. So I would be interested to see his feelings for her deepen. And have it not be a jokey, like, oh, let's date secretly behind Jupiter's back. Just kidding. But actually be like, no, I actually want to date you if you're not official with Jumpio. Well, they are official, though, in front of the whole school. Well, not just in front of the whole school. He even asked her that point blank when they were alone on the staircase. And she did not say no to him. And that's when he talked about secretly dating and then tried to laugh it off. So it will be curious to see if Jihoo does get a little more jealous as his affection grows. I would be really interested in that also because I kind of love just like the general bromance among the four, like the F4. They are, I love their friendship. They're so cute. And I love that their friendship has lasted and become so strong since childhood. Like we have these, every time we have a flashback Mm -hmm. of them, they're, you know, like five years old. Kujunpyo still has his curls, you know, and they are, they've been friends for, since they were very young and they, and they've stayed, this friendship has continued. So uh, it would be really interesting to see some, you know, non-romantic, uh, but really deep, you know, important relationship dynamics come, come into play uh, between Kujunpyo and Jihoo over, mm. over John D. So, because I don't, I don't know. I think that, I think that loyalty runs really strong. So I'd be, I'd be interested to see the, uh, how they would react under pressure. Yeah. They had a little bit of pressure when it came to Jinpyo's mom coming in to the mansion and they had to kind of rally together to handle the situation. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that was, I don't think that was like a level five emergency. I think that was like a level two. Oh no. What I, what I meant was they, the mom is not a person who threatens there is not a threat to their friendship, but John D. Oh, if both oh, the boys like her would be, uh, she would become a point of contention between the two of them, and so that's that's what I'm kind of talking about in terms. Yeah. Oh, I see. Not pressure in general, but pressure in internally. Like, I internally like this person so much that this ancient relationship from childhood is threatened. I see. Oh. That would be fascinating. Yeah. On a sweeter note, I really want to see. Ah, I forgot his name. The F form. Oh, the one, the one, the one with who was the flirting with yeah. Gail. I want to see those two kind of have a little romance of their own so badly because it's so I cute. I like them. I like them too. I'm excited, and I'm kind of curious about the fourth F four guy because we never really like see him. I mean, he's there, but like we don't really know anything about him. You know, that's. That's true. Yeah, he's a bit of a mystery. Maybe we'll see him in episode six, finally. Maybe we will. Maybe we will. <laughs> you know, there's only one way to find out, Kat, and that is to watch episode six. I guess we better do that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's a date. <laughs> we got this. 
More tea. More drama. All right, y'all. Thanks for joining us. Bye. Thanks for joining the tea and K-drama conversation. See you next time here on the Tea and Gauntlets Network.